just has all all these amazing kind of fond, you know, loving stories about what a warm person he is, and um, you know, it's it's, but it's all kind of got lost and and forgotten about. And for anybody who's um, who's wondering, just switching this on, um, we're uh, we're not talking about Piers Morgan or anyone like that. It's um, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is uh, welcome to In the Abyss, by the way. This is uh, uh, the uh, Ozzy Osbourne Appreciation week basically um i'm not going to say anything to be honest with you i'm going to just kind of beans back with us because padre is still on a world tour and um i think I, i'm just going to hand it over to bean because this was bean's idea and yes alcohol was taken when we discussed this but there is a specific reason why we want to do this this week so um yeah hitter of things welcome back and uh the floor Thank is you. yours mate well, look, let me. I'll, I'll try and explain. I'll try and recount the, that the conversation we have as best as I could. Um, I think we were having a text conversation. I was walking. I was at a gig or something. I don't know. On my way back from um, band practice or something like that, um, listening to music as I as I usually do. And I was I was actually listening to. Um, I mean, it's not so new anymore. It's not brand new, but Ozzy's latest album, Patient Number Nine. Um, Dead and Gone was the track I was listening to actually, and I you know. I had had a few beers and I was getting a little bit um, just, I guess, sentimental and, and nostalgic because Ozzy's a, a, a been a huge influence on on me and, my, and the music I listened to. And, you know, I got into Ozzy when I was like 16, 17 years old, I think. Um, anyway, so I'm listening to uh, Dead and Gone off the new album and I'm thinking, man, this is, uh, this is great. I mean, this is really good. It reminded me of... Um, the stuff he's, he put out when he was doing like the ultimate sin era, you know, it's, it's quite poppy. It's high end, you know, it's polished rock music. So, you know, let's make no bones about that. Um, but I just thought this is great. And the, and the album's great. And I, and I really liked um, ordinary man as well. And I, I genuinely think the stuff that he's putting out now with, with, with Andrew Watt um, is good stuff. And it got me thinking, I kind of went down this wormhole of, I don't think Ozzy gets fairly judged um these days um and you know i think it's fair to say a lot of metalheads have got a lot of love and affection for that that what we refer to as like the classic era you know blizzard of oz die of a madman all that stuff of course they do it's i mean it's fucking amazing i mean diary of a madman for me is just uh, an insanely good album um and I, anyway so i'm thinking about it so i think then the osbournes happened and I think the damage that that did was, uh, I think it raised the profile of kind of Sharon and the, and the rest of the family. And they they seemed to become the main focus. And um, for reasons that, you know, we won't go into because everyone's talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. You know, I don't think Sharon is a particularly liked figure, um, you know, in, in the metal scene. Um, and I think how people feel about her has kind of colored or create this indifference to to what Ozzy does you know and I, so I'm listening to the to these albums thinking he's you know he's still got some creativity in there he's still he's still doing interesting stuff he's still got an ear for a melody you know he sounds great some of those songs just saw um and I just thought you know what fucking love Ozzy and I just think it's time we made Ozzy great again and just talked about everything he's done and kind of I don't know, maybe just reconnected or reminded ourselves that he's not a spent force. I think he gets tend to be, he tend, he tends to get written off now as like, um, oh, you know, he should retire. He should give up. You know, he's had his day and I've reached the point now. I'm like, no, fuck that. Let him carry on, mate. Let's, let's have more, let's have more and just enjoy what he's done. You know, I, I've been guilty of that. When, you know, when the whole thing came out that Ozzy was going to stop playing live and, and all that. And, I I I have said I've said I think I've said it on this podcast. I think I've probably said it on social media that it is probably the right time for Ozzy to just step step down. You know, I blame Sharon Osbourne and all that, but I think deep down it looks like he he doesn't want to stop, does he? He just he wants to carry on. This this isn't this isn't anything to do with Sharon. He wants to carry on. It's in I, his blood, and he doesn't know any different. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just got a. T it's like Lemmy, isn't it? It's like he'll just keep going until. Um until he can't and you know it's great you said that because he wrote a song about it called i don't want to stop you yeah. know yeah. um yeah. says it all really you know but even you know you listen 
back to songs like Road to Nowhere, you know, it's about being on tour. Songs like Mama, I'm Coming Home, it's about coming back from tour. You know, it's it really is what he knows and what he loves. And I and just like you've said that, I think it's genuine, you know. I don't think it's you know, people say, Oh, it's just Sharon kind of, you know, pushing him out the door, keeping him on tour, keeping that cash cow going. And <clears throat> look, I'm not gonna say there isn't an element of that probably somewhere in there, you know. Um, but I do think there's a genuine desire, you know, I do think he just wants to carry on and carry on. And I think the fact he can't because of all the kind of health issues he's had recently really has affected him, you know, or like, listen, Ordinary Man is a really dark album in terms of, um, you know, someone coming to terms with their mortality and, um, you know, in, in the sort of twilight years of their life, especially experiencing all that um, poor health. It's, um, it's actually worth a listen just for that. You know, it's, it's, it's him singing about the end of days. It's got to be similar to when um, like professional sportsmen finally admit that they've got to retire and give up. And, and then there's a void in their life then, isn't there? So what else, what else do you do? And, and Ozzy's not the type to do, to go on fucking TV. And obviously you've had the Osbournes, but he's, he's not going to do anything else, is he? He's, he's, nah. And and the fear is is that if he's not doing what he loves doing, he'll end up just kind of sort of wasting away almost. You know, it's just, you see you see pictures of him now, and he just seems to look ten years older every week. Yeah. So it's it's like it's almost like someone just he just needs to be kept going, keep so we can keep him going for that little bit longer. Yeah, I guess it's like anything. It's like you know, it might be a bit of a weird. Um, analogy or maybe not a weird analogy really given the sort of involvement Ozzy's had with all sorts of animals bats and doves and things like that yeah it's like um you know when you get when you see a uh, zoo animal just caged up you know can't can't run around can't do what it does um and it just kind of looks haggard and miserable and and unhappy so I think maybe that's that's what we're seeing with that kind of sudden aging but uh yeah I mean it's not just about now I just kind of thought um, let's sort of raise a glass and just talk about Ozzy through the years. And and like when I got into Ozzy, it was like um, the the one of those guys that unified metal fans. Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty that. much one of those, you know, one of those artists that every, whether you were into the the really really heavy stuff, you know, or the more commercial stuff, everybody loved Ozzy. He was just kind of the the glue that held the metal scene together, um, and that's what I want to remember. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, obviously, we weren't around then, but coming out of Black Sabbath, no one knew what was going to happen to Ozzy Osbourne then, did they? And for him to come out with, you know, obviously, Blizzard of Oz first, which is which is good, but it, it's, it's still Ozzy in a bit of a shit state coming out of Sabbath. But then Die of a Madman hits, and yeah, you're right, that, that album is almost as faultless as a piece of work as he's ever done. So it, it, it hit then, didn't it? And, you know, throughout the 80s and into the 90s, just so many great songs, like you know, not not even just metal songs, just great songs. Whether you consider hard rock or pop music or whatever it was, even you know the sort of cross-dressing trucker phase of the old western. <laughs> and I always even, call it. I call making it, the, it to top of the pops. It's just, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. I call it the Pat Butcher years. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some live footage out there that is just fucking hilarious. Um, with his big kind of glittery jackets and 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 I think that's I think that's a that's a crucial thing as well like because as I said uh, you know at the, at the top of the episode you know I think he gets written off as a bit of a clown yeah, yeah nowadays yeah. but he's always been a bit naff and, I, and like throughout his career and I think that's great like I mean that you know I mean it in a really endearing way yeah you know, he's always kind of been this yeah I'll give it a go okay you've got like you know that era Poison and Motley Crue came out the glam scene was growing so Ozzy dives in there you know puts a bit of bleach in his hair wears a sequin jacket and it and it you know it looks like you imagine those story, you know, those stories that are told where you know he used to uh, Sharon would steal his clothes so that he couldn't go out drinking. So he just used to put on one of her dresses and just go off down the um, down to the pub. You I know, it's like he's just he's just taken that onto the stage. I mean, take it all the way back to the start. I mean, well over a year ago, we I think it was longer than that. We did an episode sort of like that, that whole working class roots of of heavy metal kind of thing, and and Ozzy Osbourne is the ultimate 
kind of working class hero when it comes to heavy metal. You think about Sabbath as a whole and, and their background, where they're from, you know, that the industrial Birmingham, all of that. Ozzy Osbourne worked in a slaughterhouse. He was a thief. He, you know, he, he was all those sort of late 50s and into the 60s kind of cliche growing up in the Midlands, poor, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't really matter. And then to end up where he is, he's never lost those working class roots. He will always be the working class Brummie. You know, even the way he sings, he's always had that kind of American twang about his the way he delivers his voice. But you know that thick Birmingham accent is always there. Stop singing and out oh, it man. comes. Never no, lost I, it. I'll tell you what, just, I mean, we, we've got to talk about that. You know, you say going back to the start, and you're absolutely right, I agree with all of that. But, you know, you've just brought up the voice. And you, you have to acknowledge nobody sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. No. No, Nobody. No, no. There, I, I can't think of a single example of someone that kind of has a voice that's similar to Ozzy or it's completely unique, you know, and I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons he is who he is. You know, nobody, nobody sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. No, he's never been, you know, what you would call a technically gifted vocalist, but it's it's an iconic voice. And yeah, you're right. It is completely unique. You, you instantly know Ozzy's voice when he sings. It doesn't matter what he'd be singing, you wouldn't know it. Yeah, and it's just got that amazing kind of haunting, mournful quality. Um, and what I, I actually, what, just to tie up what you said there about the kind of working class roots, um, and just to tie that into his voice as well. Like I've always thought, there's that kind of striving quality in his voice. You know, he can't quite hit the notes. Yeah. So you, yeah. as you're listening, you're kind of rooting for him to kind of get there and he, he'll just about make it. You can hear him sort of pushing himself up to those higher notes, you know, stretching to to take his voice to those places. And I think there's something in that that we can all relate to. You know, that's why we we can all connect to it. It's it's about being, you know, it's that kind of lying in the gutter, staring at the stars thing. You know, we, we're all, you know, we all have a dream and he kind of he shot for the stars and he made it. And, and I think that's evident in all of his music and the way he sings and the way he approaches everything. Um, you know, I think that's a big, big part of his appeal. You know, he's the kind of, he's the one that got lucky and lived the dream. And he's always been out there on his own as well. Isn't he? No matter what he's done in his career, there's never been any backing vocals or anything like that. There's never been any, any sort of, you know, anybody in his bands that's joined him with vocals, it's always just been Ozzy. Obviously, yeah. now it's Ozzy and a little bit of auto-tune thrown in the mix, but... <laughs> um, Listen, who, who isn't guilty of that? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll allow that. Um, but it's, it is that he's just always just ploughed on, and I, I don't think I've ever given him the credit for that. It's We've all been guilty. When the Osbournes came out, we all found it hilarious. It was great. You know, for us as metal fans, it was seeing Ozzy Osbourne on TV and it was this bumbling fool and it was really entertaining, but it did quite quickly become a bit embarrassing to watch, which was which was a shame, really. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, I've, to, to, I've, here's something, I've not actually seen it. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few episodes, but very, very quickly, I was like, this isn't, how, like, this isn't my Ozzy, you know, it kind of, it's like, I kind of don't want to look through that window into that world, you know. But, you know, you talk about him live. So my first kind of Aussie purchase was the um, Live and Loud concert on VHS. Um, I was in, so it used to be a record shop in um, Croydon called Beano's, which is a fantastic record shop. I I think you've mentioned it on here before, actually. We will have done, yeah. Um, but I used to go down there and... and um, uh, you know, I buy. I was like, you, you'll love this. I was buying tapes at the time. I yeah, know. <laughs> always a hipster. <laughs> no, this was just because that's all I had was a cassette. <laughs> anyway, and I can remember being in Beano's and hearing Iron Man on the, uh, you know, the shop sound system, and it sounded like the heaviest thing I'd ever heard in my life. You know, it was the first time. I mean, there was a lot of firsts that day. First time I'd heard Sabbath. Um, Played, I think I'd heard Paranoid and stuff like that, which was always quite poppy to my ears. But hearing Iron Man and that riff, it came over the shop tannoy and I was just like, what the fuck is that? That's incredible. I'd never heard anything with that much weight to it. So I was diving around looking for some Black Sabbath and it just so happened 
and they just didn't have any in stock. It's a secondhand record shop, so you're kind of going with whatever's in stock at the time. But they did have a copy of Live and Loud on VHS. So I took that home, and it was one of those I watched it every night, like several times on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And the performance, just as you said, it's just kind of Aussie and a bucket, right? Aussie and his bucket of water. (laughs) And then you go back to that kind of what's unique about him. No one else could entertain a fucking crowd of, I don't know, 20,000 people (laughs) running around, you know, shuffling about, sticking his head in a bucket of water and then just chucking buckets of water over the crowd. And that's it. Yeah. And of course, singing all these great songs. But it's just another thing that's completely unique. He found a way. Of, of entertaining people that no one else does. And it's ridiculous. Aussie in a fucking bucket of water. It is ridiculous when you think of, of Sabbath music. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's how, 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 how gloomy, how dark it always was. And I know his solo stuff is a little bit more upbeat, but you know, the fact he can perform songs like war pigs and, and Iron Man and stuff like that, and still run around like a lunatic, let's go crazy throwing buckets of water on people. It's, it is, he's just a refreshing character. Yeah, completely agree. Um, let's 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 forget about Sabbath for a minute and dig around in his in his um in his solo career. What are your favourite albums? Because you you're being you're quite the lover of this latest stuff, and and you know, we've we've sort of briefly touched on it before. But um, for me, I think he hit a peak around No More Tears. Certainly, songwriting wise, I think it was it's a, it's a classy album i think that one it's it's very well written very well produced yeah really strong songs um certainly side a of the album first four songs tinker man don't want to change the world man i'm coming home desire yeah, the now you got to give um, got to give credit to our man lemmy kilminster i yeah. think five of those tracks are co-written by lemmy yeah so it's it's almost like the, you know everything great in the world comes together and, and that's what you get but you know you two which your favorite albums favorite i have to go to diary of a madman to me, that's like that's where it all came together. So you had the kind of rock and roll of um, Blizzard of Oz, you know, which is straight straight down the line rock and roll album. But on Diary, he really brought in that kind of like that occult. I mean, the the title track says it all. That's where the kind of Aussie as the Madman came in, um, the the theatrical elements to it. Um, you know, the songwriting just became more epic. Uh, again, that title track for me is just peak Aussie. It is incredible. Um, what else did you have? Over the Mountain, Flying High Again, um, you know. I think I'm pretty sure Over the Mountain was the first Aussie song I ever heard. I'm sure of it. And and that's, so yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a fucking great song. Great song. Funny enough, I listened to um, Diary of the Madman before, before this session um because it's an album i thought i've always liked it and always thought it's good but i've never been able to get into it as a, as a great album and i still can't and i don't know why that is um i think side a is great side b less so for me and actually the title track i i can't i just can't infuse about it and i don't know what it is about it it's frustrating because it's always spoken so highly so yeah, I, I, That's I don't know. An interesting it's, one. It's it, yeah, it's it's just I don't know. Maybe you know what you've been saying about when Ozzy does does like the pop, as it were. You know, because he's he's always said he's a rock and roll artist. Did he? He's not a metal artist. He's a rock and roll. It's just yeah. Yeah. when he did his thing in the eighties, heavy metal was the rock and roll du jour, wasn't it? So yeah. that yeah. was the thing. Um, and I think when he does the fun anthemic big catchy that's when he's at his best so maybe for me that's why maybe the title track of uh die the Mountain doesn't quite work so much because he's he's pushing boundaries mm. so if you're into that kind of thing great it does work for, for me so much but it's interesting because like i say my favorite albums my favorite is blizzard because i think it's you know it's just brilliant um i think Agreed. production yeah. the production is a bit bit lacking i think if it was better it would be one of my favorites of all time but otherwise it's a great aussie album certainly number two is no more tears i think that you know so i mean that side eight is as great as any great album quite frankly it is it, as you yeah. said songwriting is great yeah. production it, it's just it's just such a feel 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 good album a lot of the time although i do have to 
I have a bit of concern with consistency because he starts off that album saying, "Would you like some sweeties, little girl? Come a little closer." I was I was going to bring that one up, <laughs> and then later on he says, "Your mama told you not to talk to strangers." So it's like you know, what what what, what, what are you going on? I think, so and I might be. Um, I'm. I, I'd have to check this, but um, so I'll say it anyway. Um, there's a few like Ozzy would occasionally you know, play characters. You know, I think that's yeah. about someone, um, Mr. Tinker Train, as in, I think yeah. it's based yeah. on a news story, um, you know, which he did do from time to time. Uh, for example, something like, um, what's the track? Uh, oh, Jimmy Swaggers. He talks about, uh, miracle man so that was that's about a new story um where the like a, a um, american preacher was kind of in a hotel room with like hookers and and all sorts uh legend you know so he'd bring that into the song and kind of almost sing it like he's like he's playing that role like he's playing that character but yeah it's a difficult i admit it's a difficult line to kind of um to to listen to comfortably would you like some sweeties little girl? <laughs> yeah but it works it, it, it fucking works like i say that album it's just got that fun to it, the whole thing, isn't it? Not that I'm saying giving sweets to little girls is fun, but... You no, know, like, I think... Just like, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I also think Zach Wilde hit a stride on that album as well. Yeah. He really, yeah. really came into, um, you know, Zach as kind of, we know him now, you know, he... he um, yeah, it's, it's a very, it is a very Zach Wilde sounding album, isn't it? It, it all came together, you know, Ozzy, you know, they, their first album together, Ozzy was still, well, he was he was at his worst at that point in time when he did that um, No Prayer, no, no, um, no Rest of the Wicked album. Um, and obviously Zach was quite young and obviously after that, Ozzy mostly sobered up and Zach, had, as you say, he found his feet and it all just, it all coalesced. Um, and we got a great album. But I, I, I want to, I do want to shout out to bark at the moon because I think that's that's my third album. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people love the title track and enjoy that album, but it's always it's always been derided for me because always people always talk about those first two albums of No More Tears and Bark at the Moon is almost like the sort of uh, you know it's, it's fun but you know it's not it's not serious. But again, that's what Ozzy does, as you said. It's that fun, it's that rock and roll, it's that pop, uh, but that catchiness. I mean. You know, we love the title track, but also love stuff like "Now You See Him, Now You Don't." Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's yeah. just, you know, we've got the way those those synthesizers underpin it later on. Um, and yeah, it's it, it, it's an album that I think it deserves a lot more love. Um, when I was um, when I was making, I used to make comp like uh, compilation ca- uh, tapes for the car. You know, pass them around, and side two, um, just as I think, I think it is like the first song on side B, "A Center of Eternity." Um, was always a great one just to kind of kick off the second half of a compilation tape. Yeah, a lot, lot of um, a lot of love for Bark at the Moon and that that fucking front cover. I mean, how? <laughs> in fact, my my um, the the um, the screen on my phone, like the hold screen, is is a is an outtake from that that shot, um, that that photo shoot um, of Ozzy dressed in as a fucking werewolf. I mean, I just. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting with our right. We've got an idea for the album. Okay. Bark at the moon. We're going to dress you up. Um, I'd like to have just been a fly on the wall when they were doing the fucking photo shoot. Cause no, he, he wouldn't have been sober. There's no doubt about that. Fuck knows what, what would, that would must've been absolute carnage. I reckon. Yeah. It probably has no memory of it at all, but yeah, I, I just, it. I just I think it. it is. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful album cover just because it's so bloody ridiculous. Um, and I love, it's like the classic Aussie logo as well. The the logo on Bark at the Moon, that kind of orange and yellow with a spiky typeface. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the that's the, the the quintessential Aussie logo as as I kind of it's my favourite as I love it. The thing is though, we've we've all picked albums that are no more tears and backwards, which, like you said at the start of the episode, is what people will consider the classic era of Aussie Osborne. But what about the later ones? And so beyond no more tears because. You know, I know you were saying about patient number nine, an ordinary man. There have been a couple of wobbly moments in there, but I, I I'd gone over osmosis this week, and it's probably the first time I've listened to it in a good decade. You know, actually listened to it properly, and I completely forgotten what a fucking great album that is as well. And 
it's got a similar kind of sound to No More Tears. It, it, it kind of follows on perfectly from it. But there's some great fucking songs on that. Absolutely great songs. It, it kind of it, it was really nice to listen to it again and be and almost be surprised. Shit, I forgot about that song. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't I, happen very often. I think of Osmosis for me is Ozzy's last truly great vocal performance. I think it's um, just before I think he probably needed a little bit more enhancement than he did um, as in sonic enhancement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need the other kind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Now, by complete coincidence, I was listening to a podcast uh, like moments before uh, I logged on here. And um, it was an interview with Michael Beinhorn, who, who produced Osmosis. And he briefly talked about making that album, um, said some interesting things. Firstly, that Ozzy hated being in the studio. Um, and Ozzy's kind of disowned Osmosis, uh, doesn't play any of it live, um, talks about it really negatively. And I think it's that he had a, such a bad experience in the studio. Michael Beinhorn is a is a, is a a taskmaster. I think he's, he's famous for that. Um, but he he mentioned Ozzy's method of recording was just to literally record line by line, again vocal line. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to clarify these things when you're talking about Ozzy. Um, he yeah he'd record one line at a time. He'd record one line, he'd double it, then he'd go back and record the second line, then he'd double it, and if he missed the double um, on a like on a on a on a maybe the second or third pass, he'd then go back and re-record the first version of that line that he happened to be doing. Like, it just sounds like it's meticulous. Um, and he says, Ozzy, won't do a complete take. And, I, you know, I think it's no surprise. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise to anyone that he probably couldn't, you know, to, to hold a performance in one go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that consistency is there, um, which is fair enough. You know, we, we kind of know that about him. But, you know, it was interesting to me that, that, uh, he recorded so meticulously, and I would say, uh, I mean, I'm repeating myself now, but it's I think it's the last great Aussie performance um, in terms of his voice. You know, there's something that's still quite real there. Yeah, because um, after that it was down to earth, wasn't it? Which it, it was, yeah. That I remember. I remember buying it. We we were students at the time. I remember buying that on CD, and it was just like it, it didn't it didn't really do a great deal for me back then. I must admit. No, I, I think that's, I mean, this is kind of around the time of the Osbournes. Yeah. And a lot of other stuff going on as well. I think you had the Osbournes, you had the um, the like Ozfest and stuff like that. And there was a bit of a, like, new metal was was stretching its wings and kind of having a bit of influence. Um, and I feel like Down to Earth and um, Black Rain were kind of, I think, Aussie taking too much influence from what was going on outside of what he does yeah. and just, you know, trying to write in a... Um, I mean, I guess, I suppose it's fair to say he, was always, he always wrote in quite a commercial way, but it didn't gel as as well as it had done previously. And I think, you know, then they're, they're not without their highlights. I think Facing Hell on Down to Earth is a track I've always, I've, I've always liked. Um, Black Rain had I don't want to stop on it. They had their moments, but yeah, both of those albums for me were, um, you know, I kind of I tell you what I found myself thinking actually a lot around that era was I just want Ozzy to make another rock and roll record. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why I've I've kind of responded so well to the the last couple and the stuff he's done with Andrew Watt is because he's he's gone back to doing rock and roll you know there's a there's a looser vibe on both those records um shout out to rhythm section to die for you got duff mckagan on bass right so that's kind of a hard-hitting punk rock bass player on there and you got chad smith on drums chad smith and taylor hawkins on the new album yeah um so you've got a really fucking great rhythm section um playing in a really exuberant way it's rock and roll which is what ozzy does best yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You mentioned Ozfest. There, we, we we have to we have to touch on that. Really, was it a positive thing 
for Ozzy Osbourne, Ozfest, because it started in the States in, was it 96 or 97 were the first ones? 96 was, was yeah. the, the solo one was 96. And then That's right, yeah. But it, it, it all reached, reached the UK in 98, didn't it, was the first one. Yeah, 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 I was there. Was, you was so, there. Um, do you think it was a positive thing? That it was I, this I, big I, touring I, festival that was all circulated around Ozzy and Sabbath? I do, th- no, I do think so, because, you know, that is what Ozzy does. He performs, he entertains... He does his music uh, and he had the opportunity to do that. And in fact, I think that Ozfest period, sort of 96 to 2001, before the Osbournes, you know, opened those other doors, I think that was quite a positive period for him. Even if we might not sort of say great mm. things about um, Down to Earth, he, he, was, he was able to do what he does at his best and yeah. Yeah. bring out all those bands and artists. You know, how many bands got their break and got their you know, have their career made by, by going on that tour. Um, that's true. You know, I saw yeah, him, that's true. I saw him in, yeah, he, I, I saw him in 98, obviously at the, uh, Milton Keynes Bowl on that first Oz Fest. He was great. I'd never seen him before. Great fun. Didn't know any songs, but loved it. Obviously he, he played with Black Sabbath in 2001, the Oz Fest mm. in, uh, Milton Keynes Bowl again. Um, the last one they did in 2002, again, it's all starting to, yeah, a bit, bit dodgy at that point, but that was the final one. That was the final Oz Fest. It was back at Donington uh, as a sort of rock festival, but it was a bit of a sort of test for download, wasn't it? The following it, it year. Was, yeah, it was uh, a bit. It wasn't, it wasn't which, the greatest which, event. That Yeah, I mean, download was great that first year, but yeah, that final Oz Fest was, I mean, the weather sucked big the time. Weather, the weather was fucking horrendous. It was, yeah, the whole the whole thing smacked to the sort of, we're, we're just we're throwing it all together as a last thing. And I think I, I actually remember Ozzy saying, I, I can't bear seeing you all, all miserable and wet and, you know, it breaks my heart. And it's just like, yeah. Um, but that's, that was it. O2 was when the Osborne started. It all changed, I think. So I, I think those five years before were a positive period for him. I really do. That was his, you know, next great, great age. It's almost like it, 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 gave, it gave, gave the world a chance to worship Ozzy Osborne again. Because, you know, I know you had Sabbath as well, but it was Ozfest. It was Aussie. Yeah. I know Sharon yeah. was largely the brains behind the whole thing, and credit to her for that is what it became. But Lollapalooza was coming to an end in the States, wasn't it? That was all starting to sort of, you know, die off a bit. So it it picked up, and it and it just it, it took new metal to the fucking stratosphere, unfortunately, but it is what it is. <laughs> But it did. It gave these people all over the states and all over, you know, in the UK and all that, just a chance to fucking worship Sabbath and Aussie again. Yeah, it did. Also, there on the downside, it did. It did give us a an Aussie Osborne collaboration with Cold Chamber on oh, the dear God that Peter Gabriel monkey. cover, "Shock the Monkey," wasn't it? Oh, that poor fucking monkey! <laughs> dreadful, dreadful. Any, anything that involved Cold Chamber, just, just. No, but you know what? It, at, at the time, you, you kind of it, it made sense. And it, you know, Cold Chamber were were coming up, and they're on the Ozfest. They were, you know, a proper fucking flavor of the month. Ozzy got involved, and and why not? It was just, yeah, yeah. What can you well, say? Well, before I forget, chaps, because it's driving me a little bit nuts. Around ninety seven or ninety eight, when you know Ozfest has started touring. Um, and I, you know, went about a year or so into my metal birth, as it were, properly. Um, there was actually a documentary on, I think, Channel Five about Ozzy and the Ozfest. So this was about four, four years or so before the Osbournes. So the kids were in it, and they were younger and normal kids, basically. Um, Amy was in it as well, you know, talking about her dad, etc., and, and whatnot. So she was there, and this was, yeah. This was just a, uh, a standalone documentary on Channel 5. And it showed Ozzy being Ozzy. Oh, I, I just want to be performing. It's a madhouse here, that kind of thing. So there's a little taster there. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff about Ozfest and showing the band and showing the crowds. And again, it's one of those things that made me feel, yeah, you know what? I love I love metal and I love being a metalhead now. It's great. It's what it's all about. Um, and I cannot find any mention of it on the internet whatsoever, not on YouTube, not on IMDb. It's as if it's been wiped from history. And I yeah. just want to watch that again. How just, just, look, just looking now, when, when you search for it, all you get is, um, is um, there was, yeah, Penelope Spheris did a documentary in 99 
Oh, God, no, this, this was just Channel 5 kind of... Uh, that's what I mean. That's the only one yeah. that comes up is Penelope Spheris' one. So, yeah, you're right. There's, there's nothing. I I don't remember that, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to... If anyone knows, if anyone can remember it on here, let us know, because... Um, I mean, it's, it's quite possible I've still got a video somewhere with it on. <laughs> someone, someone listening to this is going to know. Someone, yeah, someone of a, yeah. of a vintage, I'm sure. But but that but that was you know for me at that point in time that episode was was great because again it just opened me, opened myself up to Ozzy again and you know who he was and his his history and his influence and yeah just just highlighted how great all this stuff was and um, yeah it came along at the right moment. Mm. Yeah, and and I think and then after that kind of ushered in the new era of Black Sabbath. Um, yeah, you know, and I which I think it's you know it dawned on me. I think Aussie, you know, here's me talking about um, the value of Aussie's kind of late later albums or the later stuff. Arguably, um, that began with thirteen. You know, which I think was a great vocal performance from Aussie on that album. It's, uh, it's 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 a funny album. Thirteen. It, I must. I wasn't all that all that sort of fussed about it when it first came out, and it's one of those ones that I've gone back over and had an, a, another listen to it, and in recent years. And yeah, it, it is a good album. It's you know that, and um, obviously going away from from Aussie is the, the you know the the Heaven and Hell album that, that oh that yeah with with, um, with Dio. Both of those albums stand up in their own right as as, as a quality Black Sabbath album. So. You know, Absolutely, that, that kind of that says it all, really. Where where they were, uh, yeah, and such a shame that 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 you know, the heaven and hell, which to all intents and purposes is a Black Sabbath album. Yeah, um, you know, it's criminal that they they weren't able to use that name. It was a funny period because you've just reminded me you had all that stuff going on as well, where you know, Ozzy's done the Ozfest. Um, he's gone out, he's done some shows with, with Black Sabbath. Then for whatever reason, they've gone out with Dio and done Heaven and Hell, but they're not allowed to call it Sabbath because in the background, there's all this kind of strange legal stuff going on, which I think is another black mark against, well, gets um, sort of attributed to a black mark against Sharon's name, you know, and that whole, you know, she sort of represents the whole, the, the shady business side yeah, of it. yeah. I mean, she's the daughter of Don Arden. Like, he was a fucking gangster. So, I mean, what Basically, the fuck? Yeah. You, yeah you know. <laughs> it's in her blood, isn't it? <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. But it's... I, I, I just want to quickly talk about that whole heaven and hell thing because I, man- I got was lucky enough to get to see them in Plymouth, of all places, um, at Plymouth Pavilions. And it was with Iced Earth and Lamb of God. It was a fucking great lineup, to be fair. Right. And... Um, it was, I, I never thought I, I was at that point. I wasn't really, I wasn't all that aware of the Dio era Black Sabbath because it, it wasn't the thing, especially as Sabbath were back and Ozzy was, you know, very much in the forefront. You weren't really thinking about it, but that was, that, that was a fucking great gig. That was absolutely fucking mm. belter of a gig. And I got just as many fond memories as that as the, the first time I saw Black Sabbath at the NEC and the, you know, the last supper shows. Yeah. Um, which, we talk about influence system of down supported that night. Wow. And, um, they had just done Snowblind for the nativity in black too. Oh, wow. That's a great compilation that the first nativity in both of them are, they're both great, but they, they played Snowblind that night at request of Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) They were like, we don't want to play it, but Ozzy specifically asked us if we can play it. So we're going to give it a go. And if you hate it, please let us know. But you know what? They fuck it. They actually nailed it to be fair. And the place loved it. So, you know that oh, it's just man. yeah, it's, it's yeah. all over. Back in the day, but it's you know you mentioning the the the, the Dio era of of Sabbath, and I know we're, we're kind of deviating off slightly, but um, yeah, for years, I mean years, probably at least a decade, I was like an Aussie purist when it came to Black Sabbath. It's I think like, we all, I think we've all been through that. You know, yeah, it took me a long time to even acknowledge. Um, well, firstly, the Dio stuff, which was the first thing. And then, you know, on, on into all the other kind of variations of Black Sabbath there have been, you know, now, as I sit here now, it's like all Sabbath matters. You know, I just love it all. <laughs> I but, get that um, on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, um, for a really long time, it's like no Aussie, no Sabbath, which, you know, it's, it's kind of where I was at at the time. Um, but I think that's, that says a lot about, you know, how synonymous with that sound his voice 
swords you know he really yeah. did it's interesting actually when you hear dio who's got you know the greatest voice in heavy metal but when you listen to him sing the old black sabbath stuff like paranoid and war pigs it sounds wrong yeah, it's, like, yeah i can't yeah. quite i can't quite get my head around it it's uh, it, it needs it needs that slightly it needs the grip dare i say amateur kind of approach to it yeah you know, we, we think you we know we talked about what black Sabbath are where they come from um and it needs that down to earth slightly pub kind of drunk giving it your all and that's what ozzy did you know we're not we're not gonna say he was a crap singer but he had that vibe about him whereas dio is a professional singer yeah. yeah yeah you know and he's got all the flamboyance that comes with it you know and the you know the, the the melody in paranoid for example you know it's not a flamboyant melody you know it's this kind of clipped little vocal that just sort of barks out at you um <laughs> it's it's fucking great Do you know it came on the radio today it was just working from home and it came on the radio and um uh you know grinning from ear to ear just 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 listening to that it's it's a great little song but anyone else tries to sing it uh, it doesn't quite work. It yeah, it's, it's, work. it's not right. But you know, every time I go to Villa Parks for, for football, before the players come out, it's all always played over the tunnel. It's either Crazy Train or Paranoid. And no matter how many times you will hear Paranoid in your life, which is a lot because it's all over the place. Yeah. It, and admittedly, when I was young, it's probably, oh, it's fucking Paranoid again. It's, fuck, it's always the same fucking thing. There's other Black Sabbath songs, all that usual shit that metal fans do. Um, every time I hear it at Villa Park, it just puts a massive smile on my face. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah we, and, and that's the... <laughs> we we don't hear any metal at Selhurst Park, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you don't smile very often either. But then, so segueing that, so you think about um, you know, Paranoid, and you mentioned Crazy Train as well, and it just reminded me of um that riff. Okay, so that. The Crazy Train riff. What a fucking great riff that is. So you can't talk about riffs without talking about all the guitar players that, that Ozzy has kind of involved himself with over the years, you know, and there's some, I mean, Randy Rhodes, um, what a fucking legend. What an amazing yeah. guitar player. This, yeah. This yeah. this is why I say that that, that, that period of, of LA hair metal, the early 80s, needs more respect because that spawned Randy Rhodes. It spawned Jake Lee, you know? Yep. Yeah, it, and the, it, the whole the whole the whole way that the Aussie and and Randy Rhodes kind of almost met by chance. It's 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 just it's mad how that even came apart. It came to came to be, and I don't think you would you just Aussie wouldn't have been Aussie without Randy Rhodes because I think it was yeah crucial it was, it was to pure well, chemistry, wasn't it? I think there are two. I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of stories you could tell about that era um, in terms of kind of who who saved Aussie, you know? Because I think. Um, we talk about Randy Rhodes, um, you know, you mentioned kind of how did they find each other? You know, seemingly these two completely different personalities. You've got Aussie, who's really chaotic. You've got this uber professional, super talented, like young uprising star, takes music very seriously. You wouldn't necessarily put them together, but, but it, you know, it worked. But the... Um, it was a bit of a yin and yang almost, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know? But then the other crucial ingredient that not a lot of people talk about, um, unless you're Sharon Osbourne in court, is uh, Bob, <laughs> Bob Daisley, um, uh, you know, the songwriter. So a lot of all these songs that we talk about the first album, you know, the songwriter um, was Bob Daisley. And, the, and you know, the guys in the band uh, were writing a lot of that material. And then obviously famously uh, he, um, uh, you know, he sued... Um, Ozzy or Sharon or you know the the Osbournes I suppose for songwriting royalties and in, in a what admittedly I think is a really dick move Sharon then re-recorded the first two albums with a different rhythm section oh, yeah. Um, yeah. so Mike Borden and Rob Trujillo from uh, Metallica re-recorded the rhythm tracks so for a while the only versions you could buy didn't feature the rhythm section on the original albums yeah that's Just, that is, oh. and, and that's the kind of thing that that gives her such a fucking bad rep. Do you know what I mean? She, it's it's pure spite. You know, it's it, like, it, okay. it is. It is. I mean, let's let's we we've got to give her a certain amount of credit because without Sharon Osbourne, Ozzy wouldn't still be alive. 
Do you know what I mean? There are there were times that she kept him alive, but it it started to feel like that once she started to become more and more in the limelight, and we don't want to dwell on her for too long because it will just go down a whole different rabbit hole. She became too much in the public eye, and that's what started to take it away from Ozzy. And it and this is I know this isn't the case, but it almost felt like she was getting revenge for all the shit that he put her through all ah, those years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that is cynical, but that's how it felt. It felt like she's like, right, you've you've done all sorts of me. You tried to kill me, all of this. I'm going to have my five minutes of fame and I don't care what happens to you. I, I might be wrong. I probably am, but that's how it felt. Yeah. Now, interestingly, there's um, a film in production, um, the kind of like Aussie and Sharon story, um, which it could go one way or the other, but. I mean, you you know, you you touched on it there when you talked about Ozzy trying to murder Sharon. You know, there is this kind of mad history, and we mentioned earlier in the episode as well about Ozzy stealing Sharon's clothes just so he could go out to the pub. Yeah, you know, when he's the height of his alcoholism. Uh, you know, there's this. I mean, that's the other thing when you talk about Ozzy, all the crazy fucking stories. These, you know, snorting a line of ants. A pissing on the Alamo, biting the head off a bat, biting the head off a dove. Who else? Who else in heavy metal has a similar? You know, can you tell this this many stories about? Has all these anecdotes? Don't forget the uh, the TV that went out the hotel room window and landed about six inches from somebody downstairs, just minding their own business, having a fag. The fucking yeah. TV just landed on the ground next to him. My favourite is, um, or one of my favourites, I should say, is like Davy Grudge tells this one where um, he took on, I think it was the Diary of a Madman tour, um, as part of the stage act, he had this little person that would kind of dress up as a, like some sort of druid and and move about on the stage. Um, you know, this guy is only about three feet tall. And um, at an airport or somewhere out and about they're having a wrestle and and uh, Aussie's basically just dragging this guy around and somebody intervenes and says you can't do that like what, what, what are you doing there leave him alone and Aussie's Aussie looks at him and says he's my midget and I'll do what I like with him <laughs> and then the little guy I forget his name um looked at the looked at this guy that intervened as well and he said yeah I'm his midget and he can do what he likes with me unfortunately there, there were dark times around then as well. I mean, there's the whole thing of, of, of shooting his cats and, you know, when the band are writing his songs, he's got songwriter. Probably at that point, he probably couldn't even write his own fucking name. And it's it's incredible that he managed to carve out a solo career when you think about it. And you think, well, what a fucking state he was in. I, I, I don't know how much of it he remembers, if anything at all, but mm. it's, it's, it's incredible, really. I mean, you've got your Mick and Keith and you've got, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry and all and all those people that probably should be dead or in prison, certainly in Steven Tyler's case. But Ozzy was just almost on a mission to self-destruct. Yeah. I mean, he, he benefited from, well, as I say, being a big name at that time and heavy metal being, you know, the most popular, youthful yeah. um, music um, form in the world. Um, if it wasn't, if it had less popularity... I don't think it would have been the same, quite frankly. I think it would have, uh, you know, the record label said, nah. Mm. Also, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. and I was saying this just before we started recording, you know, I think he's a really endearing man. And I think a lot of people um, feel very close to him. And I think there's, there's the benefit there of people wanting to help and stepping in and kind yeah. of rallying yeah. around and lifting him up and kind of recognising that raw talent because that's really what he has. It's this kind of raw talent um, and just giving him what he needs to elevate that. So, you know, you've got really, really good musicians coming in and writing for him because you know what? They, they want to write for Ozzy Osbourne because they yeah, want, yeah, yeah. They want to, you know, they, they, why wouldn't you? I, I was about to say they want to be a part of it, but I don't mean that in a cynical way. I just mean, do you know what? They want to align themselves with him. They want to be involved. They want to hang around him. They want to be a part of this whole, you know, this, 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 almost like family, you know, when yeah. people, when musicians that work with Ozzy talk about him, they talk about him like they're part of his family. And there's this warmth and this endearment and this, um, this really good feeling that comes from people when they start talking about Ozzy. Yeah. And I think you, you can, you can say the same thing about his relationship with Sharon for everything that all went on. They, they clearly 
and you think how long they've been together, how long they've been married, they absolutely fucking adore each other. You can see it now. And when he's with with his, his kids and the grandkids and all that kind of thing, it all just, like you say, it's very harmonious and it looks like he's happy. And yeah. that's that's quite a big thing, I think, with everything that someone's gone through, both him and Sharon, gone through in their life, they've got to the point where they're just just happy and he's a granddad and it's... Do you know what I mean? It's it's great to see that he's lived on and lived to a point where he can appreciate all of that. Because I expect if you said to him in 1981, 1982, in 40 years' time, you're going to be a grandparent, he'd have laughed in your face and gone and done a few lines. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's great to see. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I mean, but what a journey to get there. <laughs> Just a bit. I what mean, what, what, what a journey. Actually, there's a really good... Um, now, which is it um, just going back to Ordinary Man? So one of the more recent albums, there's a video um, for the Under the Graveyard, right? As a is tr a track of that. Album. It's one of the greatest Aussie singles in, in recent years. It's really, really good. But it's also got a very cool video, which kind of tells the story um, of that mad era. Um, you know, just getting involved with, with Sharon and what was going on at that time. And um, they, they've got an actor kind of, or uh, two actors playing the roles of like Ozzy and Sharon in it, but um, uh, it's well worth a, a you know Google on YouTube. It's, yeah, it's, really, seen that. it's a really good track and it's a really good video. Like it's it's quite a um, like cinematic video, which you don't see too much of these days. Um, I think ever since the pandemic, everyone's sort of done everything on an iPhone. And I'm as I say that, I'm thinking about um, the newest Judas Priest video which uh, looks like they filmed it in Rob Halford's back garden. <laughs> um, there's a lot of that about at the moment. Um, but mean, Under the Graveyard, check that out. Check out the video. Very cool. Yeah, I've, I've not seen that. I've got to admit, I'll, um, as soon as we get off this, I'll, I, I'm going to go and check that out. Um, but just some other few things that keep popping into my head. You go back to, um, to talk about Penelope Spheris earlier on, you go back to Decline and Fall of Western Civilization. The, all the stuff in the when he's in the kitchen just trying to make breakfast and it's it's like he's talking away and you it's almost everything he's doing is almost in the background but you can't help but watch him <laughs> try and do everything and he's just like my god what kind of fucking state is this man in but he just he just he just carries on he you know professional to a point he carries on with the interview he carries on talking giving all the stories but all around him it's just complete carnage yeah I think that's probably that probably sums it up perfectly. Like all around him is carnage, but he somehow he shines. Like yeah. you know, in in the middle of all of this, um, he gets through it and and he shines. What do you think's next? You know, we've got to that point now. What do you think he's going to do now? Is, are we going to get another album out of him? Do you think he'll ever play live again? I think we'll get another album. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned it last week, but that he's 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 talking about that. Uh, you know he's in he's in the list of sort of pending releases for this year. So whether yeah. or not we see anything from him this year, but you know I wonder if that's been his kind of saving. Um, you know that's what's sort of saved his sanity of what's what left what is left of Ozzy Osbourne's sanity um, is being able to make music. And I think in Andrew Watt he's he's met someone probably the first producer in a long time that really knows how to work with him and get, and get the best out of him. And and I do think he's he's he is getting the best out of him. But he's talked about wanting to do something else and they work really quickly. I mean, Ordinary Man and and Patient Number Nine, I mean, both came out within, what, a year of each other, yeah, I think? Yeah, not far off that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Some great musicians involved in in those last um, those last albums. So I think Andrew Watt has a, you know, he kind of knows how to get the best out of people. Um, I mean, Zach Wilde was back. Uh, we mentioned guitar players. Zach, last album had Zach Wilde, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam was on there. Eric Clapton was on there. Jeff Beck was on there. And Tony Iommi was on there. So it's, that, not bad, it's not a bad lineup, is it? I mean, that's on top of that rhythm section. That's some fucking heavy hitters going on. So and then when, when you're Ozzy Osbourne, you can get who the fuck you want to play on your album. Who's going to turn it down? That's true. Elton yeah, John I mean... even popped up on Ordinary Man. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the company he's in. You know, he is... He is that legend why why shouldn't he be why well this is the thing so i get, I get out and john the, the the point i'm making is that's it you know he can pull all these people in um they're all ha you know they're all happy willing to work with him 
um i think we'll see some more music and be interesting to see like who's next i mean how do you, how do you top getting jeff beck on your album i don't know <laughs> but let yeah let's wait and see um, i think a lot of it is because like you say he's just such a lovable human being it's not just the fact he's a legend he is a lovable human being so who's not going to want to work with him he is he is and but he's you know he's 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 flawed as well but i think he you know, because it's funny because when you say he's a lovable human being, there's a voice at the back of my head that says, yeah, but he's been a fucking shit to a lot of people. You know, oh, he tried well, to murder yeah, his wife. Massive. You know, but I think there's something about the fact that he owns that, um, yeah. you know, and I think he has, um, you know, he lives a life with some genuine regrets and some gen genuine reflections on that. And it does all go into the music. Yeah, And when you listen, see, this is the thing. I think a lot of people will make a judgment about Ozzy Osbourne and what he's doing now based on what they think and feel about it. Him, him, I should say, without ever really listening. Yeah. And if you spend some time with his music, even the latter day stuff, all of that stuff I've just said is in there. It's in the lyrics. It's in the music. He still has that yearning quality in his voice. Um, You know, there's value there. There really is value there. So, you know, I'm I'm still on board. On board the good ship, Ozzy Osbourne. It's, uh, you know, why would we but ever get off? The, the, the crazy train, surely. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I didn't miss that one. Boom. Of course. Look, I mean, I think, I think, I think we've, we've, we've contributed to, to making Ozzy great again, haven't we? I think we've, um, yeah, I just, know. all I wanted to do is just remind people that, you know, he's a fucking legend and, and, I'm raising a toast. That's that's all I really wanted to do. It's just an oral toast to Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, cheers to that. And I don't want to end it in a end it on a downer, but it will be a very dark day when he finally goes. Well, that, yeah, I think we can't really, you know, you can't ignore the fact that um, he he's you know he's got to be surely in a very vulnerable state. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I that'll be a big one for me. That really will. Yeah, it will. It will. He's been a, he's been a, a huge part of my uh my adult life. Yeah, I think I, did, I discovered Ozzy when I was about 16 or 17, I think. And you know, very very quickly became which is a long time ago, I must add. Yeah, bloody hell. I mean, we're going back <laughs> we're going back 30 years. Um it's, so it's three, three decades there, three decades of Aussie being pretty, really fucking important to me. Yeah, it, it's entirely possible Aussie, Aussie was my first awareness of heavy metal. Because um, I, I, don't, I don't know when that exactly was. I was listening to pop music as a little boy in the mid eighties, you know, mid eighties. So I kind of heard it all and absorbed it all without really, you know, paying massive attention outside of the pop pop artists I like with my sister. Um, in 86, you had Europe, didn't you? You had Final yeah. Countdown, so that would have been there. It, I, I wasn't, I think Iron Maiden came up maybe a little bit later with other awareness in you know, somewhere in time was 86. But I know around that time, Ozzy Osbourne piped up. And I remember liking Ozzy Osbourne, at least liking the song, and then forgetting about him. Uh, well, not forgetting about him, but then not paying any more attention. But it was almost like Ozzy Osbourne, that... Because you don't forget a name like that as a kid, do you? Mm, no. That's, it. that's the thing. That, that's yeah. a name that appeal to children. Um, you, you know, he knows what he's doing in that regard. So I, I, I it's quite likely that um, I think Shot in the Dark was the first. Well, that, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Yeah, that era. Yeah. It would, um, he was on top of the possibly, pops doing Shot possibly, in the Dark. Possibly Lightning Strikes. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, it probably is Shot in the Dark. Because again, it's a great song, and I love that song. It is I a great expect, song. I expect yeah. I probably was a kid, just because of that chorus. So you know, yeah. There you was know a what? You, you say you say you moved on and you've forgotten about it, but maybe it planted the seed for ten, eleven years later on for everything well, well, to come well, to life. Well, this the honest truth is, I think, I think because of my personality and how I was as a kid is probably why I didn't throw myself into metal because I was a a bit of a shrinking violet for quite some time but i also liked pop music i liked chart music so that was kind of my thing you know and i had other interests as well but as i said i, I liked can i play with, i love can i play with madness and i amazing and that that imprinted there 
and it always seemed like whenever there was, a, there was a big sort of rock or metal song in the charts, I liked it. I loved Poison by Alice Cooper. I loved You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. Um, I also liked, <laughs> I loved God, God Gave Rock and Roll to You by Kids. Uh, Yay! <laughs> I love I that song. You know, yeah. I liked some of the grunge stuff, but I didn't really get into it. But it, it was, you know, the heavy stuff, the metal stuff, I, I, I always really liked. And it's that. That's why in 96, when I saw I Maiden, I thought, you know what? I've always liked what I've heard from them. I've always liked heavy metal stuff. So let's give it a go. So, you know, it's it was a very, very gradual journey. It was it was raindrops, but yeah. Yeah, well, you can send me a tribute that to Ozzy, so... I can. I think I can. Yeah. There you go. Which is, uh, which I think is a great way to finish. But yeah, I, it's it's been fun just talking of just talking about the good times. I, I know there's a couple of negatives in there as well, but the good times. And you know, when we when we do eventually lose Ozzy Osbourne, one thing I hope that happens is there's some form of celebration of his music. It's not just a a commemoration and a funeral and all that the usual sorts of thing, but a, just a massive celebration of what Ozzy has given the world of music. Yeah. Giving oh, me a massive smile, man. Yeah, it'll be yeah, a catastrophe just... in Birmingham. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Well, look, you've got a bridge, you've got a bench. Now let's have a fucking. Statue. Oh, do you know what? That's one of the things I love about Birmingham is how much they embrace the the kind of metal culture. Clearly. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. for obvious reasons, you know, we don't need to talk about. But they, you know, not just the the Black Sabbath bridge, but you walk around and there's like Ozzy Osbourne graffiti spray painted yeah. up on the walls, all all kinds of things. You know, they did the House of Metal exhibition there um you know big up birmingham because it's fucking yeah. great oh the villa and on that note we'll we'll leave it there um <laughs> yeah get that in uh so yeah that's it we'll be back again next week with i don't know what i believe the holy man is back from his uh his pilgrimage so i'm, I'm sure he'll have i'm sure he'll have stories to tell god fucking help us all uh but until that point thanks for listening and uh, as usual stay metal <laughs>